What's up, Laser fans? Welcome back to our series about the new players who are coming to Portland. This is part two. We're going to learn about Robert Covington from Brit, who is my co-host on the Step Back Sisterhood podcast. And then we're going to talk to two guys from Miami who both were excited to hop on and talk about Derek Jones Jr. So it's going to be Aaron Washington and J.J. Rivera. So hope you enjoy it. I am very happy to welcome in one of the hosts of the Step Back Sisterhood, who, uh, along with Janelle, Amber, and myself, it's a new podcast that you should all go check out. Uh, and also, a uh, you can find Britt on the Clutch City Control Room, a Houston Rockets podcast. Britt, welcome. Hey, how are you today, Tara? I am good, and I'm so excited to learn more about Robert Covington. Like, whenever the Blazers get a new player, of course, I immediately go to their Wikipedia page and start trying to find out. But it's kind of hard to really sort of get a read on Robert Covington. He seems like a great guy, but I'm really anxious to find out what you can tell us about him. So my first question is, like, what are people in Portland going to love about Robert Covington? Well, first of all, his defensive ability is probably, you know, top of the league. The one thing is that he's relatively short, as in he's six seven, but his arm span or his wingspan is seven foot two inches, which is unbelievable compared to his height. Um, and I think the other thing that attracted the Rockets to reattain him, because for some um, background. Robert Covington was actually um, picked up by the Rockets. He was there, or he was, the Rockets were his first team. And then he moved over to the 76ers for a few years before bouncing to Minnesota and then back to Houston for, for a couple of games during the last season. So when it comes to Covington himself, I think there are, like besides the defense, he, he has the ability to shoot the three that is, it can be inconsistent at times, but he's able to shoot big shots when it's needed. There were a couple of moments during the OKC um, series versus the Rockets where he just hit shot after shot that, you know, initially didn't look like he was going to um, be able to pull out, but he was. So I think that's the two things is that he's definitely what, you know, the new definition of three and D um, player is at this point. Mm-hmm. No, he wasn't with uh, Houston for very long. You know, his uh, his stint with them got you know interrupted by COVID, mm-hmm. but he came at like kind of a really important juncture for Houston because it was when they decided to go to you know small ball. Mm-hmm. And am I correct that he was actually playing center? Yeah. Well. I would say yes and no. So sometimes he would play center, but mostly he was actually p- playing power forward for the team. Um, PJ Tucker would take a lot of those minutes at um, the five, but he would occasionally in some rotations play as center. Um, I don't see the trailblazers doing that so much because the, you guys all have, you guys have Nurkic. So uh, he probably won't be playing center. He'll probably play, be playing um, his natural position, which is actually a three, a small forward. Um, but he was also playing a four. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, that's an odd, 
<laughs> that was kind of an odd lineup. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, in the time that, that he was there, like, how did it seem that he picked up and adapted to it? Like, was he the kind of guy who was like, okay, or, I mean, what, what was he like kind of as a, as a person? I mean, I know, I don't think that you like probably got to talk to him or anything, mm-hmm. but what, how did he come across, um, you know, as a guy who's willing to come in and take on whatever role? Yeah, I think that's the one thing I miss about Covington or will miss about Covington is that he was definitely um, able to change his mind or be able to get into the flow of the team relatively quickly. Um, like you mentioned, he was traded. Um, he was traded to the Rockets in that four team trade that sent out Clint Capella to the Atlanta Hawks. So being able for him to, you know, go from a relatively traditional center lineup um, with um, Carl Anthony Towns in um, Minnesota over to the Rockets where, you know, they were trying that small ball sort of situation, sort of, you know, directly or indirectly due to the, them not being able to get a center is, you know, I, I guess it shows that he's willing to do that and not have too much, you know, not be too concerned about how he looks like. Um, I think the only thing he had problems with um, is with, so the Rockets used to, and maybe they'll still do this because of um, Harden and Westbrook's um, defensive um, capability, which isn't, you know, necessarily the best. It's about average, but you need to be above average if you're trying to get, you know, anywhere beyond the first round of the playoffs. Um, He had difficulty with, the um, switches. So the what the Rockets would do is that they would switch between man to man as the you know as the offense our offense was coming in and trying to set. They would switch to you know get the best players on the best or the best defensive players, which would usually be PJ Tucker and Covington on the best um, offensive players. Um, and sometimes he would have lapses when it came to that. Um, but I think the one positive thing. Was when it comes to the trailblazers, which is why he's probably going to be a really good fit there is that he's, um, I, to my knowledge, I don't think the trailblazers do switching as much. They, you know, they play more, you know, uh, you know, they play more man to man and more, you know, just, um, zone defense. So I think when it comes to that, Covington is definitely, um, going to be a better fit. Yeah, every year they say there's going to be more switching. <laughs> um, but you know, they, they have played a really distinctive style of offense, which in my opinion really, or sorry, defense, which in my opinion really peaked a couple, uh, seasons ago when they had, um, Al Farouk Minu and Mo Harkless in the lineup. <laughs> and I feel like Covington is well prepared, uh, to come in. And, you know, I'm wondering if just, you know, the sheer lack of time to get used to each other, um, you know, could have contributed to maybe them not com- communicating correctly on some of the switches that, that they were doing when he'd only been there for a little while. I, I, I can't recall what were his, uh, what was, do you remember what his performance in the bubble was like? Yeah, so it was actually pretty good. I actually have um, basketball reference up, um, so I can pull that up relatively quickly. Um, He had a, I think it would be like an average when or average performance when it came to the bubble. Um, He did a lot better during the playoffs, um, but during the. 
during the seeding games, he wasn't playing as well. So uh, when it came to the Lakers series, he just wasn't as good other than game one, where I feel like everyone was playing well. Um, he was, um, he was, he wasn't playing as well, but during the, um, in the average during the playoffs, he was actually, you know, pretty consistent. He was a starter for all 12 of those games. Um, I'm not quite sure if he's going to be starting, um, for the trailblazers. Um, I think he probably but, will. Yeah. Well, I, I guess either way, he has the ability to be mm-hmm. both a starter and a backup. Um, mm-hmm. but when it came to the playoffs, he was, um, averaging 11.2 points a game with, um, 1.3 assists and, um, 1.1 blocks and 2.5 steals. So that's pretty good. And I think the one issue that he was, he tend to have was that he was, um, especially during the seeding games, not so much during the playoffs is that he was um, getting himself fouled and fouled out or he was fouling folks too much and fouling himself out. I remember two games in particular during the seeding games where he fouled himself out and he was, only in the game for like 12 or 13 minutes. Like he definitely has that hustle bug to him, but then at the same token, if, you know, depending on the officiating during a night, he can tend to get himself into foul um, trouble. So that's probably something to keep in mind. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was going to be, what's the biggest risk? Do you think that's probably um, the the hardest thing for him to be consistent about? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that's just mostly because of the, you know, freedom of movement sort of changes that have happened over the last, I guess now like three to four seasons at the point with the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive side gets a lot more leeway and Covington, you know, similar to PJ Tucker, who's still on the Rockets, he is very much, um, he's not as aggressive as say like a Patrick Beverly, but he's definitely someone who is willing to put his body on the line to try to get foul or, you know, try to get, um, you know, either stills or get blocks. And sometimes that can, you know, sort of get away from him and cause him to rack up um, fouls a little bit too quickly. What would you say his personality is like, as far as you can tell, like on the court? Uh, I would say that he is pretty aggressive. So um I, I guess when it came to in Houston, PJ Tucker is definitely definitely the um leader on the defensive end. So he wasn't necessarily the one to like call out the defensive plays, but when PJ would be out and Covington would either be backing him up or, you know, being still be in the um out on the court, he would tech he would um typically be the one who is calling out the defensive plays and trying to get folks in right positions. So I I can really see that happening when he goes over to the Trailblazers as well, um, especially since I, I feel like um, similarly to the Rockets, the Trailblazers can have on occasion defensive um, lapses and, um, you know, <laughs> on occasion. Um, liability. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I think that's the other thing that's like a, why he's a really good fit is that he's definitely going to assist with shoring up the defense and he is able to be that like defensive um, leader um, during the times where there may be, you know, occasions where either Lillard is off position or CJ is trying to I, mean, I guess CJ's not as bad on the defensive end but definitely I feel like Lillard and um, Mello and a few other folks on the team can be a little bit more um I guess I, I guess tend to be more you know offensive focus versus defensive focus. <laughs> there we go that's nice and diplomatic <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything else that you think we should know um, about Robert Covington? Yeah. I mean, I think that for the most part, he's definitely on Twitter quite a bit. Um, he He's a pretty great follow. So I think he's worth following if you haven't had the chance to do so already. Like I, I'm definitely going to miss Covington. I, I feel like for years, you know, since the Rockets, you know, essentially <laughs> gave away Covington and sent it over to Philadelphia, it was probably one of the few moves that um, Daryl Morey, who's now, you know, coincidentally the in Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia now was one of the moves that he regretted. So being able to get Covington back for, you know, the 28 something games that he was here in Houston was a, you know, great feeling. And I, I'm, I'm really sad that he was, um, he had to go as part of the trade that eventually got Christian Wood. But I think at the same time, with the play style, especially on the defensive end that the um, Trailblazers play, he'll be a great fit. And he's on the same timetable as Lillard and CJ. He's about to turn 30. Um, mm-hmm. I think his birthday is coming up. Yeah, it's in soon. December. Yeah. So he, you know, he's definitely on the same timetable as most of the team um, in Portland. And based, like I mentioned, based on the play style, he should be a really good fit. So, um, I mean, I guess I, I, I'm sad, but I'm happy that he's able to find a role where he's, you know, most likely going to be a starter or at least get significant minutes because of his defensive ability and his three point shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have uh, a cluster. There's a cluster of guys right around 30. And then there's another cluster of guys right around like 22, 23 mm-hmm. has, um, do you know if Covington has ever seemed to shown you know, the, like the mentoring or the, you know, taking younger guys under their wings or done anything like that. I don't know. I guess Houston, have they had that many younger guys on their team to mentor? Well, not, yeah, no, not really. And, you know, he was traded for Capella and that was, you know, one of our youngest players. Um, you know, to my knowledge, it seems like he was always, um, you know, good with all the players on the team. He didn't really have any drama issues or any of the, you know, other things that were happening in Houston. Um, um, and I guess I didn't follow him like too much when it came to Minnesota or his, um, you know, his longer time in Philadelphia. So I couldn't really tell you that, but I think that based on his personality and just the way that he wants to be on the court, he's definitely going to be able to, you know, serve as a sort of mentor role, especially for the, you know, the small, you know, the small forwards and, you know, some of the bigs that you have, especially, I would say, especially on the defensive end, like mm-hmm. he learned a lot, um, you know, on his own. And I feel like his experience with PJ has probably um, leveled up to his game when it comes to his defensive ability, because uh, PJ is definitely like a talker when it comes to defensive end. And I feel like he, uh, Covington did do did tend to do that a little bit more as the season progressed. Well, as the seeding games in the playoffs mm-hmm. progress. So I think there you're probably definitely going to see him a lot more vocal and active on both ends. Um, and I don't think he won't be a good, you know, mentoring person for when it comes to the trailblazers. Yeah. I think, um, I, I like what you said about, you know, being a, uh, you know, a known defensive player mm-hmm. and maybe him being able to, um, give a few 
pointers or demonstrate, um, you know, how one gets to be a real, known as a defensive player in the NBA. Cause there are not that many players in the NBA who are known as defensive players. Like yeah. you have to really show out to like start being known for defense. It seems like. Yep, for sure. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Britt, for coming on and uh, talking about Roco. It's, I have to say, it's such a pleasure talking to you every week on yeah. Step Back Sisterhood. Yeah, so me too. We, uh, uh, people, in addition to following We Have a Take, should also go follow Step Back Sisterhood. And would you like to tell people how they can find you on Twitter? Yep. So you can find me on Twitter. I'm there pretty constantly, maybe unfortunately or fortunately <laughs> at, um, I'm at Brit Robotista. That's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. All right. We have not one, but two people today who are going to talk with us about Derek Jones Jr. So let me bring in our two Miami Heat fans. First, we have JJ Rivera. He's the host of 305 Culture Podcast and the Out of Bounds Podcast. JJ, welcome. Hi, how's it going? Great. Uh, and also, we are joined by Aaron Washington. And Aaron is the host of the Business Casual Basketball Podcast. Aaron, welcome. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for bringing me on, allowing me to kind of hype up my uh, former Heat player here a little bit. Well, <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait uh, to hear what y'all have to say. In Portland, there was uh, – there's kind of, frankly, it was kind of a mixed reaction, which surprised me because like I, I saw it come across Twitter and I was like, yes. And that's probably because, uh, I think in December I was at a game and I was lucky enough to have like really good seats. And all I remember from that game is Derek Jones Jr. just like dunking all over us. <laughs> so that's my perspective. Um, but then, you know, when people like dive into things like the numbers and the contracts and some people were a little bit unhappy with how much money the Blazers ended up offering him. And, but anyway, I think we're going to love him. And I would love to start off with um, one of you telling me about what do you think Portland fans are going to love about Derek Jones Jr.? So, Aaron, why don't you go first? We'll go alphabetically. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, guys, um, first thing you should know about Derek Jones Jr. is he's a super high-energy player. I mean, you think about somebody that you want to see in your organization that's going to give 110% at all times, come in run for rebounds, run the floor, you know all about his jumping ability, but just the fact that this guy never stops moving um, on, uh, you know, on offense or defense is really incredible. Um, namely with the defensive part of it, I know, you know, with Portland teams, I mean, def- defense hasn't exactly been a, a MO for you guys, um, you know, consistently over the past few years, but with a guy like this, you're looking at somebody that's, you know, his energy is going to be infectious. And especially on the defensive end, you have somebody that's going to come in and can switch between multiple positions. You know, a switch heavy defense caters to him very well. And, and, you know, he just has, you know, the heart of a champion. And I think that's something that Phoenix really didn't see in him before that he came to Miami. But Miami sees things like that in their players. So I think that's why they gravitated towards him so much. And uh, the guy just loves to win. He loves to have fun. And, uh, you know, he's going to come in there and give it his all every night. So um, I think you should know that first and foremost about Derrick Jones Jr. And, um, you know, he's going to make basketball that much more fun for you guys, whether or not he's going up and going above the rim to go catch those lobs and whatnot. I think that what Portland fans will – we all – listen, we all know about his dunking ability. He's the reigning slam dunk champion. And – but as, as Aaron said, his energy is unmatched and his ability – to defend at multiple positions. He's still growing. He's 23 years old only. 
So you guys might have him either even for the long haul or or just for the duration of his contract. Either way, you guys are gonna love his hustle, his energy, and his his commitment to defense, which is something that you guys sorely needed last season. So he's a, a pretty young player, as you uh, two said, um, you know, 23 years old. I'm wondering um, with the Heat, with the Blazers, there's like a really pretty regular pattern for development of players where they'll come like as rookies and they'll like barely see the court. They'll their second year, they'll get to put their toes on there. But as soon as they make a mistake, they're out uh, to to learn. And then their third year is when they usually start you know, seeing the floor, start seeing more regular playing time, part of the rotation. I'm wondering um, about Derek Jones Jr. and his place in the rotation in Miami and what it was like. And um, yeah, what was, what was his situation there? Well, uh, oh, go, go first, Darren. No, you can go first. We're going in alphabetical order. Okay. okay. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. With Derek, uh, you know, he came in and, you know, just looking at his minutes per game every season, I mean, when he came into Miami, he was averaging 15 minutes a game. And I think Spolster really had a tight leash on him at the beginning. Uh, you know, he had a reputation coming in, very young player, very raw, unrefined. And he had to kind of find where he fit in. And it couldn't just be like, oh, I'm going to go up there and, you know, go above the rim and just catch lobs and dunk. Because at some point, that's going to just limit your ceiling and what you can do in the basketball court every night. So, uh, you know, in the two seasons following that, 19 uh, minutes per game. And then last season at 23 minutes per game, um, you know, in the playoffs that dropped off a little bit, but you know, with Derek, I mean, he just continued to get better every season and he really made a name for himself with that defensive versatility that me and JJ just mentioned before. So it went beyond just making highlight plays. It went into the deeper aspect of basketball when it comes to just doing the little things, hustle plays, go getting rebounds, steals, blocks, things like that. So, you know, his place in the rotation was definitely gradual, um, you know, you mentioned that before just with the players in Portland having to earn their way in. And with Derek, it was no different. But when he found his place in rotation, he was very hesitant to give it up because he just gave everything he had at all times during the game. So with Portland, I think, you know, at the very least, he'll get, you know, consistent playing time. You know, I'm not sure if he'll get the same number of minutes just because you guys have a lot of forwards now, a lot of guys that can play the wing position. But in any case, he's going to demand some minutes because, you know, he's going to bring something to the table every single night, whether or not the jumper is falling or he's dunking. So, um, yeah, definitely a place in rotation for him. Um, we'll have to see how that kind of turns out for you guys, if he's going to get the same opportunities as he did in Miami. But, um, yeah, I see him getting an opportunity for sure um, out right out the gate. Yeah, I think he is his place on the rotation, as Aaron said, he had to he had to earn it. And over here in Miami, you – you gotta, as the famous heat culture, you gotta work hard, you gotta show hustle and energy. And as you see throughout his third, first three years here in Miami, he started as Aaron said, 15, 19, and now he peaked at 23. I was a little worried when he fell out of the rotation back, uh, over at the playoffs, but he, his place in the rotation was still, and during the regular season, I should say, was still very solid. He saw, some important minutes, and I think his place in the rotation over in Portland should stay the same. As Aaron said, the situation with you guys, you guys, you guys have now a lot of fours. You guys recently traded for Robert Covington, which I thought was a great transaction for you guys. You also have now Carmelo Anthony came back, and and Zach Collins should be back from injury too. So 
maybe there will be a little bit of a log jam over uh, the front court rotation, but I think he'll figure it out and he'll earn some some minutes over from Terry Stotts. Yeah, uh, JJ, to follow up on what you were talking about, his um, you know uh, playoff minutes. That is one of the things that I was seeing people who were less excited about the um, acquisition than I was as they were saying, you know, he didn't, you know, see the floor uh, very much in the playoffs, which to me seems like pretty typical that you're going to like tighten your rotation when it, you know, when you're uh, making a yeah, deep exactly. run. Yeah. 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 So, so I was going to say they uh, playoff rotations get cut. They will get way shorter. They, Sometimes go seven deep or some, hell, some, some games they might go six deep. Uh, depends on the, on the importance of the game. But I mean, yeah, it all depends on the matchups and the Milwaukee series. He served us really well in those limited minutes that he played, especially in the, the scheme that we played against Giannis, which is basically the zone wall that people like to call. I think he was very effective for that and he played some, some very good minutes. So yeah. Aaron, I want to go back to something you said earlier, you know, that that we're going to really like about him and that is his energy and he's like constantly going 110% and that's like super awesome and great to hear. Um, and this kind of transitions to the next part of my question for both of you is how can we make sure – how are you sure that, you know, all his energy – like is he – is he running for the sake of running or is he running like with – you know, purpose or whatever. I don't have no other way to, to say that. But, you know, sometimes you get players out there who are just running for the sake of looking really busy or, like, they're not quite sure where they're supposed to be, so they have to, like, run a lot. And then you have other players who are, like, running the right plays, running them at the right time, and are really disrupting, uh, you know, keeping the other defense on their toes. So what can you talk, tell me about the, the way that he's running around? Well, when it comes down to it, um, I think he has realized who he is as a player, uh, specifically his shortcomings when it comes to offense. Um, career-wise, you know, 28% shooter um, over his, you know, four or five years now, which is definitely nothing to write home about. So he knows he's not going to be a threat from deep. He's not going to be any kind of initiator on the ball. He's not going to be able to kind of take guys off the dribble by himself and create for himself more often than not. So with that being said, I think that's where a lot of that energy comes from. Um, well, part of it just because that's just who he is. He's just wound up real tight and he just loves to just have opportunities to kind of let that all out. But also he knows that if he's going to stay on the floor and he's going to have an offensive contribution every game, he's got to pick his spots carefully. Um, it comes in transition. It comes off of pick and rolls, you know, going up and looking for those lobs. It comes from hanging out in the short short corner, um, baseline, looking for a little dump off passes, opportunities to get layups. So I think that, you know, it's almost by necessity. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's looking for opportunities. And we just talked about his role in the rotation. So he knew going in that his shooting was going to be a sore spot. And for guys like Eric Spolstra, that coaching staff, they're asking themselves like, well, what can you do for us when you're not going up there dunking and just making all these crazy plays? And he figured out that it's just being active and just roaming the court at all times. So to answer your question, I think it comes down to um, his offensive contributions. He just wants to be out there. He wants to make a difference. And that's why he's going to be um, he's going to have a high motor and just continue to move throughout the game. It's going to be for the better, the better, the, the it's going to definitely benefit the offense. So. Awesome. Yeah, I want to go back to something that Aaron said. His mostly his he has to play that way because, as he said, out of necessity. Because 
he has to show his worth on offense because he's very athletic, athletically gifted, gifted, sorry. So I guess in his mind, he, he can say, okay, I won't out shoot you, but I'll just stay running around here. You can't, maybe you can't out jump me or I can't, I can't outrun me. So I'll, I'll beat you that way. And that's how he proves to be most effective off the ball. He, he can move pretty well on with the ball in his hands. He, you know, he's pretty limited, just pretty at the rim. He's, it's where he mostly operates, but yeah, off the ball is where his most, he's most effective. And with guys on your team with like CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, I think he'll prove to be very effective in that role. Yeah, I am not going to be sad about watching somebody who likes to get up to the rim. And you guys just explained it like so beautifully. Like, um, you know, the fact that the way he gets his shots is not from standing on the three-point line waiting for somebody to pass it to him. It's moving around so that he can catch that ball in the right place. That's awesome. Um, I'm wondering where you all think um, – are his biggest uh, areas are for growth, his biggest potential areas for growth. JJ, do you want to go first this time? Yeah, sure. Okay. To go well, first. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's for us, it's pretty obvious shooting. He has to prevent his on the ball creation, maybe be a little more creative with him, with the ball in your hands. Maybe that'll never come. He'll maybe what he'll peak at 30, 30 something percent from three. And if you, if you're a coach, you say, Hey, I can live with that because your athleticism will make up for some other shortcomings that you might have, might have on offense. He's not going to be a world beater on offense. <laughs> of course not. But yeah, that's his, uh, his most, his biggest improvement has to come on the offensive side of the ball, shoot the ball better and try to, try to improve his handle maybe because he's a wing. Although maybe if he plays more at the four, he doesn't need to have such such tight handles, but if he does, that's a big plus for him. So um, when it comes to what he can improve on, um, I might paint a somewhat of a bleak picture just starting off, but I'll give you a flip side to it um, that will definitely make you guys happy and just like an, an area of improvement that he's shown in the past season. So to start with an area of improvement, I would go to I – mean, it's it kind of bounces off JJ's point a little bit, playmaking, being on the ball – uh, namely when it comes to his assists and just finding guys, um, setting him up for buckets, that's not something he's done well at all. Uh, you know, going back to his career average for assists, I mean, he's sitting at um, 0.7 assists, and it was only this past season that he even eclipsed one assist per game. So this is not a guy that's going to um, find guys in their spots, whether it's kickouts or whether it's dump-offs or anything like that. Uh, you know, that's definitely an area where he can improve, and then hopefully he gets those opportunities uh, just looking at who he's going to be competing with in that front court rotation. I mean, besides Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, um, you know, Nurkic definitely does that as well. But for the wing position, I mean, there's an opportunity for him to carve out a role um, being a playmaker. I'm not sure if it will happen, but the opportunity is there for him. And the way he works, I can definitely see him taking advantage of that opportunity. On the flip side, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, two seasons ago, he shot 60% from the free throw line. He was a pretty dreadful free throw shooter. But he improved that percentage by 17% going into last season. You know, he stood at 77%. He improved to not only an average free throw shooter, but a pretty consistent one. If you just look at average free throw shooting in the league, and he was almost at the 80% mark. So just want to give you guys two sides of the coin, show an area where you can improve for sure, um, where you spend a little bit weak. But on the flip side, and of course, 
you know, an area where he's definitely improved. So you're not getting a guy that's done growing, as JJ mentioned earlier, 23 years old. And the way he works and the way he just kind of grinds it out every game, uh, there's more for him to explore in that package, that athletic package that he brings to the table. So um, just be wary of these facts, guys, but also just be excited about what the potential is for a guy that's um, not even hit his peak yet. I'm afraid to bring up the words transition because <laughs> that hasn't been uh, a strength of the, of the Blazers. And um, I, I mean, it's just not something that they're known for. They don't typically uh, do that. So I am really excited for the idea that there's people who are uh, coming on the team who might be like hungry and really like that kind of thing. Cause I just don't think that's been the main, you know, re- the regular MO of the guys who've been on the team right now for, for very long. So I, I'm really excited about, I think our second unit is going to be really fun, super bouncy. I don't know if you guys have watched much Anthony Simons. But he's an extremely bouncy young man and like his, like, you know, when, when you get to watch the, the dunk contests at the, uh, practice facility, he's fantastic. And he's like the Blazers, you know, a lot of Blazer fans were like trying to get Anthony Simons to, uh, the dunk contest last year. Um, so there could be some pretty fierce battles in practice, I think. Well, that's going to be a heck of a dunk contest in that practice facility. I those know. two in the building. They need to put like a, a webcam so that we can watch it. Oh, I'd be down for that. I will watch. Yeah. <laughs> so what else do we need to know? Um, what, what else could we uh, know about him? I, he had his first media availability the, the other day and he appears to be a man of few words. And I don't know if that's just because this was a new group of reporters for him or is he generally pretty quiet and shy? Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, JJ, but I haven't known, I haven't seen uh, Derek Jones be a guy that's super kind of crazy and outgoing. Uh, He's a little bit more on the quiet side. I mean, you wouldn't know it from the way he plays Uh, almost kind of like a fire and ice kind of thing. But um, I mean, he's, he's going to go about his business to get things done. Um, You know, another point I want to make about, Derek Jones, you guys are going to love about him. He's not going to be a locker room cancer. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but there's a certain player that you all are losing in this free agency. He's no longer on the team that um, <laughs> definitely fit that criteria. So um, it might be an addition by subtraction thing. Uh, JJ can definitely attest to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <But laughs> I've slandered him multiple times on my podcast. I wish him all the best. We, we both have. <laughs> But don't have to worry about that with him. You know, Derek is going to be a class act. He's definitely um, matured a little bit from his days in in, in um, Phoenix, and just the heat culture has really just developed him and helped him just become more of a man and just know be more sure of himself and know how to go about his business. So y'all should definitely appreciate it about him, and it should uh, give you a little bit of um, you know breathe a sigh of relief when it comes to what's going on behind the scenes in the locker room. Yeah, I was going to add to that. He's he's a low maintenance player. He'll he's he's a great character guy. He, he lets his game speak for itself. He's just, he'll put his de- head down and go to work. And I also want to add a special message to Kings fans. Bless <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you guys are in for a long season. Oh yeah. <laughs> for sure. We wish them all the best. That is for sure. All right. Well, my, my last question uh, about Derek Jones, very important. Um, you know, uh, how's his fashion? How's his Instagram? 
Does he have pets? I know he has three little kids. Uh, that should be, that's, I, I definitely am enjoying the little kid Instagram content. Um, I don't know if I have much to contribute on this end. Uh, I haven't really taken a deep dive into his Instagram. I actually didn't even know he had three children. I only knew about one that he had earlier on. So obviously I'm out of the loop on this one. Maybe JJ could give, fill me in or fill us in a little bit more. Um, but he seems like a guy that'll, you know, have some fun every once in a while. I don't know if he's going to light it up on there and he's going to be this like huge celebrity, <laughs> but I'm sure he has his bobits, uh, if you know, his encore, um, you know, contributions or any indication. Yeah, well, based on his Instagram feed that I just got into, because I'm not really an Instagram guy, I barely go on it. But based on his feed, there doesn't have a dog. She, he should get one. They bring, they bring us a lot of joy. I have, I have, I have four dogs myself. Oh, nice! <laughs> wow, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and but yeah, but the, he has, he has small, small children, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that's that's all I have to say because yeah. I I'm not I'm not really aware of 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 his IG. They're gonna be a lot of kids, uh, little kids on the team this year because we have Rodney Hood who has three. We have Damian who's about re- his wife is about ready to have twins, and then um we'll have oh, uh, the, them. Yeah, it's very it's been like. You know, having Damian, Dame and CJ join us, you know, uh, being, being drafted by the Blazers, like, they've really, and neither of them are shy about putting their lives out there on social media. So we've watched them, you know, fall in love and get married or engaged and get married and have babies. And it's just like, it's, it's really cute. And, uh, yeah, they, you know, it's Derek Jones Jr. It sounds like he's going to fit in really well. He doesn't have to like have necessarily the fire Instagram account because we do have Gary Trent Jr. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the most amazing <laughs> Derek Jones Jr. can just like find his place in Portland. He can just get comfortable. And, you know, I hope that we, um, I hope that. I don't, we, I don't know. Portland's off season, it's just like, I can't even figure out like what to do with all this, uh, you know, all these awesome, fun looking players that are coming in. It's just super, super excited for it this year. Uh, anything else you guys want to add or should we, uh, if not, you, if you want to just like share maybe how people can find you and, uh, read your work or listen to your, uh, podcasts? Uh, yeah, Aaron, well, we, we you go first. We're going alphabetical order. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> well, um, first of all, I uh, really appreciate this opportunity to be in this interview and just to give some words about Dirk Jones. We're going to miss him down in South Beach, and he really gave us a great three-year tenure. So uh, you guys are getting a great player once again, and just I'm super excited for you all and excited for your season. I mean, I'm going to talk about Portland tomorrow on my podcast, rather Friday, uh, just about the off-season moves you made. So super excited about everybody that's coming in, and you all should have been for a fun season. Uh, but if anybody wants to just check out my podcast, it's Business Casual Basketball, BC Basketball 2 on Twitter and Instagram. Go live every Thursday except for this Thursday because it's Thanksgiving. Uh, but every Thursday normally at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, and you want to check us out and just uh, get a feel for what's going on around the league. But, yeah, thanks again for the opportunity. Yeah, I want to say thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it was it was really fun. And I want to add, you guys are one of the – one of my top five teams to watch next season because you guys, you guys really, really addressed some major issues you had. You had all you need is, as I said before, injury luck. And I wish you guys all the best because last year was really tough for you, and I'm, I expect a big season for you guys. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JJ Rivera NBA. 
I I'm a I write for for fan site is Los Angeles Lakers site Lake Show Life. You can also listen to my podcast at Rio Five Culture Podcast and the Out of Bounds Podcast. The Out of Bounds Podcast is in Spanish, so I have any of you Spanish speakers out there, you might want to listen to some NBA talk with me and my friends. And yeah, that's all I have to say.